Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and two movies up for review this week. First up is Creed 3, which continues the Creed series, which is an offshoot of the Rocky series. And then there's Guy Ritchie's latest, Operation Fortune. First up is Creed 3, which is the third of the Creed films, which are an offshoot of the Rocky films. And I will say that when they first announced the first Creed movie... I was not that excited. I was like, we don't need this, you know, leave nostalgia in nostalgia's place. I don't need Sylvester Stallone back. I don't need any of this stuff. And then the movie came out and I went, okay, I very much enjoyed this. I really like what they did with the story. I thought, you know, Sylvester Stallone's performance in the original one and then the addition of Michael B. Jordan as Adonis Creed. I was like, yeah, this is interesting. It grounds it modern day, which I could connect to more easily. You know, some of the uh, the themes of the other Rocky movies don't always age as well, but this is the other thing about any sports movie, right? Especially one that focuses on individual athletes. is it, It's all the same formula within reason. And so if you like that formula, which I will not lie, I kind of enjoy that formula, it's great. But if you are looking for something new every time, that's not going to be what this is. And so I think by the time we got to Creed 3 or get to Creed 3, this is not my favorite of the three films. And I think there are a couple contributing factors. So the first one is, again, just the inherent premise of it where you know the idea is Adonis Creed has as effectively like passed out of his prime he's already he's already been the champion right he's done the thing congratulations Adonis slash Michael B. Jordan's character you did it and so the problem with like all these reboot or you know continuing stories is instead of letting a character go out on top we have to knock them down again in order to build them back up and it gets a little bit recycled and so that is the story of Creed 3 you know so he went out on top he is retired effectively and then a childhood friend shows up who went to prison and there's like a whole backstory there and you know he wants to become the champion and all these complicated you know histories that we've never seen in any of the other films so it's just like cool we're inserting this here whatever the other thing is like sports movies so formulaic not a bad thing because you are gonna get exactly what you signed up for but It doesn't break you out of the box a ton. I think Creed is sort of trying to do that a little bit here, but, you know, by bringing in somebody who had a a tie to the person and all that stuff, but you know where it's going to end more often than not. And these are not superhero characters, but when you build a whole franchise around these characters, they do become sort of untouchable. And this is the problem I have with things like, not problem, but these are the things that you have to consider with movies like uh, the Fast and Furious movies, right? Or the, well, James Bond is a perfect example of where the character has to become untouchable or, you know, impervious to things because you are too afraid to do anything to them because you might want to bring them back for that next movie. And so the stakes feel dampened. And so that is how I felt going into Creed three uh and and coming out of Creed three as well I you know it's Michael B Jordan's directorial debut I think he does a fine job there are a couple sort of gimmicky things that I didn't know if I loved stylistically and uh, you know it's his first time out directing so I'm not gonna knock him too hard for it but it it, there was something that felt a little bit well rookie-ish in in parts of it and and again I think these characters have become semi-unrelatable in that they are champions and they are you know they've succeeded they've done the thing so it's not an underdog story anymore and then you make the underdog effectively the anti-hero in this and Jonathan Majors plays the uh, childhood friend who comes back and, and I think I mentioned this is not a spoiler but he's out of prison and all this stuff and I really liked Jonathan Majors in this. I think Jonathan Majors is great. And I saw this very closely to when I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And I was like, oh, this is the performance I wanted from Jonathan Majors in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in the sense that I was like, he is a believable antihero or villain, for lack of a better word. 
I was like, they also exist. He and Michael B. Jordan exist in the same world and speak the same language. Whereas in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, I felt like Jonathan Majors was trying to perform Shakespeare and Paul Rudd was trying to do stand-up. And that's not their faults. I feel like those are the directions they were given. But I was like, oh, this is the dynamic I want between my protagonist and my antagonist in that you know, they exist in the same world. There are conflicts between them that I believe. They are grounded in each other. And and so I thought this was a much more effective use of Jonathan Majors, which I, again, will give some credit to Michael B. Jordan for, you know, directing him and, and a lot of credit to Jonathan Majors for just being Jonathan Majors. So I thought that worked really well. But then again, and I am someone who enjoys a sports movie, who enjoys the, I like the fighting parts. They get a little bit excessive maybe at points. I like the training montages. I did miss the music. I will not lie. But, you know, I, I am someone who likes sports and athletics and stuff like that. And I can get how it could be a little bit of a drag for people who are not and are like, yes, I get it. I want the family conflict. And then there is this whole sort of balancing the family side of it with uh, Tessa Thompson is back as Bianca, who is, uh, you know, Adonis's partner at this point. They have a kid. And also I'm like, how much time has passed since the last one? This little kid is not that young anymore. And anyway, at the end of the day, formulaic. And I don't know if that is bad, but I did wish that this was an opportunity for it to break outside of those bonds because I do think at least the first Creed had elements of that. And that is what set it apart from, you know, other reboots of franchises or things like that. I was like, oh, you were telling a a different story here. Whereas this is now starting to tell the same story over and over and trying to put a different spin on it. But at the end of the day, not necessarily succeeding. So the other big question that I think has been surrounding it, because I've been talking to friends like I have not seen the other Creed movies. I'm like, well, I mean, you do and you don't need to have seen them in order to understand this because, like I said, it just follows the path of most other sports movies, especially sort of a, a single combat, you know, PvP scenario where it's it comes down to boxing is a one-on-one sport, you know. You know how and where it's going to go. Yes, they will also pretty much fill you in on some of the backstory and because the conflict between Jonathan Majors' character since he's new and Adonis Creed from the previous ones you know you don't technically have to have seen the other ones it is helpful to know about the family history of the Creed family and Apollo Creed and and Rocky and, and all that stuff but honestly not necessary for this you could theoretically enjoy this without however I would argue that if you enjoy this type of thing there's a good chance you already saw the other Creed movies. And if you don't enjoy these types of films, this is not the one to drop into. I would suggest you go watch the original Creed film and then decide whether or not you want to kind of keep effectively like diluting yourself a little bit going forward. But end of the day, if you are a Rocky fan, this is fine. This is passable. You will enjoy it. There are some, like I said, some camera story plot choices that I was like what are we doing here we're getting okay and and I respect experimentation but I don't know if it succeeded but that's okay that you know maybe the success is in trying I think Jonathan Majors is great in this I think Michael B. Jordan is fine as Adonis but I think perhaps I could be you know making this up but in his attempt to balance the role of being a director and a performer he scaled back on the presence of the uh, Adonis character and in order to focus on you know Jonathan Majors's character which I think is actually a smart move but sometimes his scenes I'm like what uh, his being Michael B. Jordan's I'm like what is happening here is this a necessary scene to move the things forward I, you know Tessa Thompson's great like I said if you enjoy these films this will be fine and you will have a good time if you were not on board you know I, even though you can drop in at this point this is not the one I would encourage you to watch the first Creed film overall I'm going to give this a 3.4 out of 5.
I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And I'm back. The other film I have this week is called Operation Fortune, and I don't think I had seen any marketing materials about this movie up until right when it came out. It's another Guy Ritchie film, and I think I've been relatively vocal that I'm not the biggest Guy Ritchie fan. One of his last films I was very much not a fan of. I recall being pretty upset at some of the racism, and by that I mean a lot of the racism at The Gentleman. I did not watch Aladdin, admittedly, but not the biggest fan of modern Guy Ritchie. I think the last one of those I really liked was maybe Rock and Rolla, but Snatch I think is fine. I think it's a good movie. I think he has just been sort of like continuing to try and bottle that lightning in a bottle since. And and some of it's just like, yeah, this is his style. And some of it is like, okay, we're trying it and maybe we should, maybe we should experiment. You know, like with Creed 3, it is okay to experiment and it's okay to fail but if you keep doing the same thing over and over you know sometimes it's great and sometimes it gets really tiresome so Operation Fortune it feels like it is either trying to be the start of a franchise or it was effectively like the Bobo version of another franchise stars Jason Statham who kind of plays the same character in every movie at this point which I don't inherently have a problem with because he is charismatic and I think he's part of the thing that maybe saves this from being like a zero out of five but you know, this is if you have ever wanted an action movie narrated to you instead of shown to you, I have a movie for you and it is Operation Fortune. There is so much exposition over action sequences. And I'm like, Guy Ritchie, I think you know how to direct an action sequence. Why are you having a character narrate over me like this guy's over here and this guy's over here? And, to, you know, it's supposed to be the like guy in your ear turn left type of stuff. But you could just show us it instead of like we don't even get to see the perspective of it sometimes sometimes it's just through the narration I'm just like what's happening here the rest of the cast also very good you've got Aubrey Plaza who I'm a big fan of I don't think she is being utilized as effectively as she could be here you know she's playing her sort of dry wit smart snappy character she's sort of a hackery character in all of this stuff but but then by the same token she's also playing sort of like a vixen-y and that's not to say she can't play sexy or whatever it is but they just she's flipping back and forth and her dryness and Jason Statham's dryness it might be too dry as a byproduct you know I I am all for having a female character who who is an equal in terms of skill set and and value and all that stuff to the team and but it there's, there's just something about like the two of them there's too much of the sameness in this and unfortunately because you know for whatever reason she does not come out as well I, I just wish this film had offered her more and utilized her range more because she does they try and show her range you know when she does the sort of sultry like oh it has to be seductive ish or flirty and then she's in the hacker mode and I'm like this is so it's kind of the same performance for both of you. And I, I think you're capable of more. But were you just not asked to do more? I'm not sure. You've also got Josh Hartnett who plays a movie star within the thing, which I think is fine. You know, I don't he's not the first person who pops to mind for that stuff. But I was like, yeah, it works. Carrie Ells plays the sort of, you know, mission controller character. He's, he's fine as well. I, I'm going to keep using the word fine. Hugh Grant plays a billionaire not a spoiler for someone, you know, a bad guy. And and he's doing a, a caricature of some sort of thing. I don't I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what any of them are doing, except for Jason Statham, who is just playing Jason Statham, movie Jason Statham at this point. So like I said, most of this is narrated to you. It feels unnecessarily violent at points. It's not as guts gory violent as I would have feared, which is 
good. That's the one compliment I will give to it. But the action is boring. The stakes are so boring. You know, the, the conceit of having a movie star roped into it and having to play themselves and stuff like that. Like, we've seen it before. And so I didn't find there to be any redeeming or, or very few redeeming qualities out of this. Uh, you know, you can watch... Jason Statham do action in other movies and to scratch that itch you can watch Carrie Ells be charismatic in other movies and scratch that itch you could watch Hugh Grant play a nefarious character in Paddington 2 I think that would be a much better use of your time so uh, like I said there's, there's not there's not a lot going on for this but if you are just if it weren't for the fact that this is out in theaters if this was just out on streaming I'd be like yeah just put it on the background or something like that and ironically then having it narrated to you would be of benefit because you don't have to watch watch it but if you were thinking of going out to the movies and just be warned you're gonna have to sit through a lot of narration a lot of very tech heavy mumbo jumbo-y scenes which are always hard to do even James Bond it's tough you know the narration oh 30 seconds to the hack is complete and blah 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 you know the the humor of the collective group does not gel as well as it could have. Uh, again, a lot of it's riding on Statham's back. I would actually prefer to see like an Aubrey Plaza-led version of this and maybe not have a Statham in the way. Um, I think Spy is a good example of maybe what I would gravitate towards more if we're going to have this sort of, oh, tongue-in-cheekness. But yeah, overall, I don't even think like Guy Ritchie super fans will be like, yeah, this is the best. So Overall, I'm going to give Operation Fortune a two out of five. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.